welcome to this week's GG Weekend Watch, sponsored by SVK, as usual, on what is going to be another jam-packed show. We have 10 scheduled races to get through yet again today, so we're going to try and move as swiftly as possible through those races, as well as any other races, your regular GG Weekend Watch pundits wish to guide you through. Now, it is Halloween this weekend, so hopefully it's going to be more treats than tricks from our two pundits this weekend, as Mr. Mount has a very well-placed jack-o'-lantern in the background, different from the tweeds than last weekend, but uh, at least he's keeping it seasonal anyway. So, as I say, we do have Andrew Monstrous Mount, as well as Daryl Cauldron Carter to guide you through the weekend action. It's Andrew Simpson's there, really, as an introduction, didn't it, really? A bit treehouse of horror more so than anything else <laughs> but as i say hopefully it won't be a horror show then for this week's show and plenty of winners to boot so before uh well we better get started really before anything else so we're going to swiftly move on to the 120 at weatherby our first race we begin with a wide open naught 125 handicap chase over two mile three where the market is currently headed by jericho rock for the david pipe yard who makes his reappearance yard but this is a very tricky opener to solve, Andrew. So I challenge you to kick us off, please. Yeah, well, I'll take on the favourite to start with, uh, Jericho Rock. I'm glad you said that one first, because I was going to say it <laughs> completely differently. I have um, no idea if that's correct, by the way. I well, have no I'm, idea. Pretty, I'm pretty sure your, your stab's a lot better than mine. But yeah, th this, I mean, so far, this one's been best at two miles. Seems to finish weekly when trying this sort of extended two-mile-three trip previously. And with the pipe yard, not yet. Um, firing, maybe we'll take this one on. Um, there are a couple of interesting ones. I mean, Revels Hill, a point winner who's now going um, over fences for the first time under rules for um, Harry Fry. But I'm looking at some of the uh, bigger prices. Uh, Jerryville, Jerryville was quite interesting. First run for Mickey Hammond was a bit of a mover when the betting first opened 25s into 10s, uh, out to 12s now, I think. But um, when this one uh, this one's best efforts in France came first time out in the autumn. So it'll be interesting to see if that one, that pattern remains for the new yard. But I'm going to side with um, Temple Hills for uh, Nigel Twisted Davis. We know that his horses go well at this time of year. And that's certainly been the case with Temple Hills, who's had um, eight runs in October, winning four of them. And if you only look at his October runs in class three or lower company, it's four wins from five and a third at Stratford at this time last year when um, beating less than four lengths off a mark of 128, he's down to 121 now. And uh, I just thought he's going to run his usual solid race. I think he's about 14 to one, but you know, mm. given, given his record, yeah, he won last time out. I know he's a 10 year old now, 11 to one. He was 16s at one stage when the betting first opened. Um, so yeah, Temple Hills for me, um, sizing at midnight, half interesting in the first time blinkers. That's a uh, statistical positive for the Colin Tizard yard with their chasers. And they've um, started the season reasonably well with a couple of winners. Um, so, uh, yeah, Temple Hills for me. But as you say, it's a tricky old start to the day. Yes, it really is. As you say, we haven't given you an easy opener here by any means. But a few notable mentions there. Say Colin Tizard, a fair a few of his horses, very well handicapped from last season. So positive mention for sizing at midnight. But the main selection going to be Temple Hills for the informed Nigel Twiston Davis team. Now, Daryl, we sort of spoke about this race before the off. And as you say, you didn't have an overly strong opinion on this, which I cannot blame you for whatsoever, because I did make the joke that this is not the easiest opener by any means. And Andrew also said that you um, you get a dunce there for not doing your homeworks. But <laughs> I think we can forgive you passing this race over, certainly. So it is, um, yes, very, very tricky. Hopefully, it will be easier then in our next race in the 155. This is the listed Mayor's Hurdle over two miles, which is a really good renewal of this race, it looks. And especially likeable as we have six of the seven runners rated from 130 to 145 with the 100 to 1 outsider rated 113. But there's very little to separate the rest of the mares here with Miranda at the head of the market, who I've always found a very tricky horse to weigh up because she's either brilliant or disappointing, and I can just never seem to get her right. But Daryl, is she a mare you want to keep on side as the joint highest rated in this race? Not not first time out, no. Mm. I think she's got a, a poor record fresh. I think she's won once, which came at Ludlow, but the first, second, third and fourth are all rated below 90. So, yeah, I think tread carefully with her first time out. There, there's not a lot to separate a lot of these, to be honest. It's, it's quite difficult. I went for every single runner and still failed to come up with a strong opinion. I thought Molly Ollie's wishes and uh, 
and the, the McCain horse 5 and 20 would be the, the two likely pace angles. Molly is all his wishes again. It's not got a great record fresh. So that would be a slight concern. I thought the likes of her indoors would be better once she goes up to a two and a half mile trip. I think she's been screaming out for it. So I can't understand why they're, they're over two miles here. I think she might lack the speed of perhaps a couple of these. Zambella drops back from three miles to, to two miles. She was a three mile chaser last time out. She's got one good piece of form in a Kingwell hurdle at Kempton that makes her look interesting for this. But uh, yeah, it's very, very difficult. Five and twenties mm. regular rider goes to Musselburgh. So that might just be an indication on her chances here, Brian Hughes. She, like I say, is a likely pace angle, recorded some excellent time figures at, uh, at Musselboro last season. She hasn't gone on from that yet. So she might be a risky proposition. Marie's Rock is the most interesting runner in this field. Now, mm. you know, I hold my head in my hands every time this horse gets an entry because she's definitely better than what she showed last, last season in two starts. She was really impressive in her, in her first, first three outings before getting an injury. So those two starts last last year are off the back of an injury. Now, she shaped quite well at Newbury behind Floressa. Nothing went wrong for her. You know, she was very keen. She had a faller right in front of her. Didn't work out well. And then at Doncaster, she just ne- was never travelling the yard. She's had a wind operation. Tongue tie stays on. Nico has gone to Ascot. But I thought she was the one in the field that had the most considerable promise going forward in terms of the rest of the season. I think she can improve past these lot. Now, it depends what Marie's rock turns up. And you're going to want a bit of compensation in your price. So, if she she had a little drift, if you can get about five to one, and I'd rather roll the dice with her rather than a few of the others. But I think the most solid option in the race is probably her indoors for Alan mm. King. So, a toss-up between the two. No strong opinion. I think they're the two to focus on, though. Yeah, and her and George say a positive mention despite over the two-mile trip there as well. But uh, as you say, Marie's rock, then you're getting a bit of a bigger price about her chances to take on Miranda at the head of a market. Andrew, do you also take on Miranda or do you side with her in this? No, I'm, I'm going to side with Miranda. I think the key to her is taking on her own sex. Um, she's only done it five times in her career. She's won four of them, all of those runs coming over hurdles. And she finished seventh uh, of 14 in a Bath um, Phillies uh, list race for uh, Phillies and Mayors um, did really well that day. She was rated 89. All the horses who beat her were rated high. She was a 33 to one shot, you know, never put into the race after a break. So never lost over hurdles, running against, um, you know, Mayors. And um, I'm, I'm not worried. Paul Nichols first time out. I know she's been, well, she, you know, she, she won, when she won at Ludlow first time out on the, her debut for Paul Nichols, she wasn't the favourite. You know, she won her first hurdle start last year. Um, she's had several sort of wins after breaks of sort of six weeks mid-season, so I don't think fitness is going to be an issue. So yeah, Miranda for me, nine to four from eleven to four, I think, when the betting first opens, so mm. that that suggests that uh, fitness isn't going to be an issue. Yep, certainly so. So siding with Miranda there to hope that uh, back against her own sex will see her to a positive effect. Say so she's a mare that I just cannot get right for love nor money, so I'm not going to have an opinion. So you both have chances there for uh, taking her on or siding with her. Now, the next race, the 2.30. This is our first graded action of the day and our third race at Weatherby. It's the Grade 2 West Yorkshire Hurdle over three miles, where we get to see the returning Paisley Park making his reappearance start after pulling up in the Liverpool Hurdle at Aintree on that latest start. And he currently heads the market in the hope of him bouncing back to winning ways. However, he does have some interesting rivals here. In Thomas Darby, who finished third in the Liverpool hurdle at Aintree, we also have Master Tommy Tucker returning to hurdles. We know an awful lot about him over fences, how brilliant or terrifying he was. Uh, but he's a real character, so it'll be fascinating to see him back over hurdles. And there's a whole host of smart performers lining up here. But Andrew, who do you side with in what is an intriguing contest? Yeah, this is an absolute belter. I mean, one good judge told me earlier on this week I should be on Paisley Park at twenty to one for the uh, um, the Stairs Hurdle. Um, mm. You know, this season because after you know after this reappearance run, he's not going to be that sort of price. I mean, he will be ten when he uh, uh, arrives at Cheltenham next spring. Yeah. Um, let's, hope, let's hope he does get there in one piece and in form. I can see him winning this. You, mean, you look at his seasonal debut record; it's um, three wins and three and two close seconds from five starts. But you know, I can leave him alone and let him win on back to um, nine to four. Uh, I, I was looking at, um, at Thomas Darby as well, who remains open improve, to improvement over this trip, have, having placed um, you know in Grade One company at Aintree. A Prashima as well for the Skelton Yard. Um, that, this one looks as though um, three miles is going to suit. Indefatigable, one, one of my favourite horses. Love that. Absolutely, absolutely love her. She's love fantastic. Her. And another thing to mention about hurdles and, and Weatherby at the moment, well, certainly at, at this meeting last year, at this two-day meeting last year, if you were anywhere near the inside rail, 
generally speaking, he didn't have a prayer. I think mm. third time lucky one round the inside, but he was something like you know, four to one on and um, you know, just outclassed his opponents. Um, remember when you know, Mrs. Hyde won, it was a case mm. of the wider the better in that race. And uh, so do just keep an eye on that. We'll get some clues whether there's any track bias from racing on Friday. So um, that, that could make life tricky for front runners if that inside is no good as it was in the meeting last year. But uh, mm. yeah, of the ones on the shortlist, um, I'm, I'm tempted just to side with Thomas Darby because he hasn't had many opportunities at three miles. Yes, yeah, that was that was thrown in there at the at the end, probably with Thomas Darby. I didn't expect him to be your main selection then after going through those runners. But yes, but also a note to watch that inside rail on the Friday and see how they fare and uh, basically uh, how that might transpire then for the Saturday as well. Daryl, yourself, please for this race. Yeah, I, I'm quite keen to take Paisley Park on here. I, I quite like Thomas Darby for this. Um, I thought he was was excellent at Aintree behind Time Hill. Now a lot of people will write that off as back end back end season form, but Time Hill actually missed Cheltenham, so he, he came there a fresh mm -hmm. horse uh, in good order. Yeah. I thought it was a, a cracking run. Paisley Park pulled up in that race. I've always thought this was a horse that that was crying out for a trip. I've messaged um, Ollie Murphy a couple of times saying when's he going over three miles. <laughs> I, I think he I think he's open to vast improvement now now over this Has trip. He replied, or did he just say stop? Yeah, going? no, he, does, he doesn't. <laughs> to be fair to Ollie, he's very very good. He, he replies all the time. He's, he's an absolute gent, um, and I know he really likes this horse. I think he's I think he's um, um, been running over the wrong trip. Like I say, three miles definitely open to improvement for me. He actually ran a blistering time figure at, at Kempton behind McFabulous in the real kill hurdle at Kempton. Mm. Uh, yeah, Kempton. Um, he was just outpaced between the second last and the last. He stayed on really strongly at the finish. Now, he was on the sharp end of the pace that day. So it suggested that he definitely wanted to go up and trip. I can easily forgive him his run in the Coral Cup. He was beating 14th for 26th, but he was off a rating of 155. I mean, he was £10 higher than anything else in the race. And there was lots of improving horses in there. So I, I wouldn't wouldn't worry about that too much. Yeah, and I, I think this horse just is open to vast improvement over this three-mile trip. I really don't think he's he's had much in his favour for a lot of his career. I think he did remarkably well in the Supreme Novice Hurdle to mm. finish second behind Classical Dream. I thought the other one, interesting one was Master Tommy Tucker. Now, obviously, we know that he's uh, a bit frail over fences. Yeah. Back, over her, back over hurdles, I, I think he's very interesting. I don't think this is just a prep run. I think they might just give him the season over hurdles. And how far he can go, you know, any, it's anyone's guess. Slight concern for me, though, is the three-mile trip. Mm. He's gotten two and a half or two miles five quite easily. But going up to three miles asks a bit of a different question. He's not bred for it. So that's a slight worry. And this run for Oscar, keep an eye on him. If he gets a, a good bit of back and he's just a six-year-old, he's won his last two starts in the first start in a visor. If the visor continues to work, he's very much on the upgrade. His run for Oscar, for Charles Burns. Mm -hmm. Interesting they bring him over. But I'm hoping Thomas Darby can... Uh, can get his head back in front now over three miles. Yeah, so two positive mentions there for Thomas Darby in the hope that there's more to come from him over this trip. And he's second in, so you're getting a bigger price about him than Paisley Park as well. So he does look very interesting, but some notable mentions for some proper characters in this race of those in behind as well. And as you say, fascinating that Charles Burns brings run for Oscar over here to bid for that hat trick. So we will move on then to our next race. This is the feature race in Britain on Saturday with the Grade 2 Charlie Hall chase over three miles where Cernan currently heads the market. But he has pulled up on his latest couple of starts. We haven't seen him since February as well, but he clearly sets the standard on official ratings with his mark of 168. But hasn't his rating always set the standard, even when perhaps it maybe shouldn't have? But he won this race last year on his reappearance start. First one since falling in the Ascot chase in February. So he's taking the same route here and again has to bounce back. But I do fear that Chamblou will challenge Surname for the lead here and really put Surname under pressure with his jumping on the front end. And over a course and distance, Chamblou won over at this meeting last year in a novice's chase where he absolutely bolted up. Then, and as we saw with Surname on his latest start in the grade one Ascot chase, when he got headed, and was put under pressure, he quick, quickened, uh, he he just weakened out things very quickly. So he has been given a wind operation since then. It may well fix that issue, of course, with um, the Nichols team. As I say, they will be gunning for this win just as they did last year. But I just fear about Shamblu cracking him on the front end. So I'll stick surname on here at the prices with flat, with Shamblu to hopefully find the necessary improvement on ratings. But Daryl, how do you see this race panning out? 
Yeah, you're, you're braver than me if you're taking uh, mm-hmm. uh, taking six to five or whatever it is about surname at the front yeah. of the market. He's failed to complete in three of his last four starts. That if he turns up in the form he did last year, he'd probably win this. But uh, I think you've got to take him on. Uh, just a quick one before we I'll get into this race. I just want to have a quick rant, a little bit. Um, <laughs> Please. So, so I. So a lot of people at the moment are moaning that everyone's talking about Cheltenham. It's not all about Cheltenham. It's not all about Cheltenham, right? But then the same people are moaning that we haven't got any decent horses turning up for these races. Now, if you look at our, in the UK, 160-plus rated chasers, established chasers, at the turn of the year, that will be younger than 10, over three miles. How many do you think we've got? 160-plus, over three miles, younger than 10. Younger than 10. There's not going to be many at all, is there? Four. We've got what? four. Oh. Yeah. Dashel Drasher. That bad. Wow. Dashel, Dash, Dashel Drasher, Royal Pagai, Chantry House, and Esprit de Rome. And definitely still might be going up to going up to three miles this season. We don't know. But that's my point. We've got absolutely no depth in the UK mm. to horses for us not to be getting excited about Cheltenham because we don't have the depth for these types of races. I mean, if you look at all of our uh, chases that are going to three or chases over various trips that are going to be rated 160 plus and younger than 10 at the turn of the year for next year's festival. They've got 15 grade ones between them, and Deputy Saul has got seven of those. Oh wow! If you look at Ireland, they've got 20. If you look at Ireland, they've got 21 between them, and it's filtered all throughout the tr- different trips of different horses. So we have a sheer lack of depth over here. That's why no one gets excited about a Charlie Hall chase anymore. But anyway, that, that's it. Uh, I like, I like, um, I like Fussell Raffles in there. Uh, I think he ran really well on reappearance behind Brave Man's Game. Again, he's another horse that seems to get outpaced in the mid parts of his races and stays on quite strongly. I think he's open to plenty of improvement as a six-year-old going up in trip. If you look at his sire, what he produces, well, it's a Quinto de la Rock, who's a three-mile uh, champion chase down Royal winner. Uh, Lorraine Legend was second in an RSA. Um, Jack Adam was uh, a Thiestes winner on, on heavy ground over three miles. I think he he's open to improvement going up to three miles. I I, I, I do quite like him. I think he's got some of the strongest form in, in on offer. He's um, one of two horses to have beaten Chantry House. The other was Shishkin. I think he's got a lot more to come. And I just love the fact that they started him out so young and he's just a progressive mm. horse. I think at around 13 to 2, he offers a good bit of value. I, I'm not entirely convinced that Chamblou wants three miles. I know he's won twice over the trip, but the set, the closing section was over his three miles. I just didn't think, suggest mm. that he, he was a strong stayer at the trip. But Fusil Raffles to upset the apple cart, I think he's an attractive price at around 13 to 2. Yeah, say around 13 to 2 there. Uh, I sided with Fusil Raffles last Sunday out at Newton Abbott and I was praying that Daryl Japer was going to send him from the front there and really put Brave Man's Games jumping under pressure on his chasing Davy because I wasn't overly convinced about the scope he showed over hurdles. Obviously, he's put that to bed there with how clever he was, Brave Man's Game. But I was really hoping he was going to ride him forwards there. And he he just didn't keen. have the pace, did he? To, to, he just didn't have yeah, the pace. I, I to... thought he was quite keen, if anything, and he was really sort of trying to rein him back. That was my sort of take on the race, and I just wanted yeah, to perhaps. let him on and I just really wanted to put uh, the jumping under pressure. So, it, so, But like you say, it's fascinating that they're now sending him up and trip over three mm. miles here. And and for that reason, you'd have to think that they also obviously think that he wants that bit of an extra test as well here. So um, he's fascinating, but he let me down the last time. So I'm going <laughs> to bear that grudge here. Andrew, grudges from yourself, any? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, last year's Charlie Hall was pants, wasn't it? It was an exciting finish, <laughs> but um, eight horses finished the race and um, they haven't, uh, so the horses who finished second through to eighth have failed to win a race since naught from 26. So, uh, you know, vindication needs to go right-handed and um, stupidly run on a left-handed track again, as, as he has been ever since. But we'll come to him later on when we discuss Ascot. Mm. But yeah, I mean, certainly, okay, he's had the wind up first time out, might be when to catch him, but you can keep your six to five. Um, Pondor Castle was, wouldn't um, be a surprise winner. He goes well fresh. He's still open to improvement over this sort of trip. Um, you know, having... Uh, chased home Clandes Oboe by a very respectful distance, admittedly, at uh, entry last time. And I, I'm with you on Chamblou. Um, I think the key to him is freshness. And mm-hmm. you look at his first three runs each season, uh, over the two se- full seasons he's been racing, four wins, a close second and a four. Um, you look at his record on his sixth or su- uh, sorry, f- a fourth or subsequent start, not from six. So he just seems to go off the boil after a few runs. So, you know, if that theory has got any um, logic to it, then he should go well. And the other one that I can't quite believe the price, 33 to 1, is Topville Ben for mm. um, Phil Kirby Yard. 
that the top draw bend's got to go left-handed over fences. Um, four wins, three places from uh, eight completed starts. When he's had um, uh, Weatherby over fences, three wins and a fifth in this race last year. Now, last year, like on the hurdles course, you couldn't win around the inside over fences. And, uh, you know, you look at that Charlie Hall and there were horses going up and down, you know, on the spot on the inside, like Asa switched off the rail. They started making, you know, ground, but then you know, the, the effort had taken its toll. So Topville bound was round the inside throughout and in the circumstances probably wasn't disgraced. And you look at the official ratings, you know, 168 for surname, 159 Clondor Castle, third in his Topville Ben on 156. I know it's not a handicap, but if he were, you know, he'd be um, giving weight to some of the ones that he's actually receiving weight from. So, mm. you know, 33 to 1 each way, you know, as long as there's not a swamp on the inside and he's not in it. But at, at that price, you can take the chance. So, yeah, I'll split stake Chambleau at Topville Ben. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So Chamblou, they're around 92 and Topville Ben, the outsider of the lot there to hopefully put his course and distance for record to good use. But all three of us, they're taking on surname at his current price of six to five and Fusil Raffles there for Daryl as well. So what's going to be a fascinating Charlie Hall at Weatherby. Now we move on to our final scheduled race from Weatherby, which is another open race in the form of a 0 to 130 handicap hurdle over two mile, three and a half furlongs where the informed Donald McCainyard send out the current favourite, tentatively so favourite, uh, Mackenberg. But as I say, this race is very open, Andrew. So how do you assess this? Yeah, I assess this like Daryl assessed the first race, yeah. that, uh, which is playing my get-out-of-jail-free card. I will mention one horse I want to keep a close eye on. That's another theatre who um, was, was well beaten on his um, recent reappearance and he'll probably finish well held uh, on Saturday. I just think that uh, I want to be with him next time. He tends to need a couple of runs. He won third time out last season. He won third time out the year before. So I'm just looking for a little bit more than another theatre show last time with a view to backing him next time. So you know, I'm hoping he finishes sort of fourth, fifth or sixth so that he'll mm -hmm. appear in my GG eye-catches column next week. But as for who's going to win this, I'm afraid I haven't a clue. No, that is completely fair to say. You're both entitled to a get-out-of-jail-free card when we've got 10 scheduled races. And you don't have to have a bet in every race. You know, we reiterate this the whole while, safe gambling, that you do not have to have a strong opinion in every single race. So that is completely fair, but a notable mention for another theatre with an eye to potentially watching her down the line. Daryl, do you have a strong opinion in this race? How come he gets that lovely little spiel <laughs> after and I get he didn't do his own work? <laughs> Favoritism. Yes, I've got a very I've got a very strong opinion in this race. Uh, I like a horse <clears throat> I like a horse called Half a Piece. This horse has run three uh, well last season he, he did didn't stay two two and a half miles at Sandown. Um, then he bumped into uh, the rapidly improving Ajero at Huntington. Uh, but he's run three really nice races here at uh, Weatherby on his reappearance last year was fourth off a mark of 130 behind Anamoy and Proshima. Um, they're both eight and 14 pounds higher in the handicap. He then goes uh, Weatherby again, runs second to Albert's back, and he ran an excellent time figure. In fact, today's favorite, Mackenberg, ran on the same card, right? And he was 20 lengths faster than Mackenberg was. Mm. Um, and he was given weight to the winner that day. He was carrying six pounds more than Mackenberg later on the card. And the winner is now 11 pounds higher. He fell at the last at Cheltenham um, in December last year when he looked the winner over Breffney Boy. The Breffney Boy is obviously 12 pounds higher in the market in, in, in the um, handicap. He just fell at the last, just got it wrong. He all looked all over the winner that day. And then his, his latest start at Weatherby, he chased on the unexposed pair, Pay the Piper and Shantou Express where they just didn't go fast enough for him up front. He was held up at the rear of the field and then he was coming with his challenge and he just clouted the second last and it just like took the wind out of him, really, or out of his long burst of run. Under today's claimer, he's actually £7 lower than his last run behind Peter mm -hmm. Piper and Shanto Express and he's £5 lower than his run behind Albert's back. This um, jockey as well, I've gone back and watched a few of his runs, Jack Andrews, he's actually quite a capable jockey, to be yeah. fair to the lad. Uh, look, he does need to take a step forward, but uh, he does go well fresh. He loves it here. He's waited to go well. The ground's no issue. This is slightly easier than, than some of the races he was contesting last year. And he's a double-figure pro, so I thought he would uh, be a good each-way shout. 
Yeah, definitely so. And it's actually, it's really interesting that you talk about half a piece here because I, I actually went to see Jack Andrews last night because believe it or not, small, strange world that the racing game is, uh, I picked up my new kitten from him <laughs> last night. <laughs> so I was, um, so I, was, I went down to the yards there, Gina and Tom Ellis's yard and um, Jack's doing the board and, and I just said to him, oh, what have you got this weekend? With in mind to the restart of the pointing weekend, he said, oh no, I'm actually heading up to Weatherby for half a piece for Pam Sy and said well that's actually the horse that gave Gina Andrews that horrendous fall and um, where she wasn't okay after that for quite a while and he he said so many of the positives that you've just mentioned there and then Pam wanted to use his claim to uh, use a five pound claim to get him back to that really workable mark here and she, he he thought he had a, a real shout there as well so um, strange way of it coming about but yes definitely so for you for Jack for Pam for everyone half a piece there at a double figure price in the 340 at Weatherby okay, now so uh, Darryl, next, sorry, back to you oh pardon yeah next week can you buy a puppy off Paul Nichols because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I fancy one of his this is my into the yard this is the way I, I <laughs> behind the wall there it's just through cute animals so other people have their their trends and their stats but no I'll just uh -huh. go and uh, take a cute animal from them right <laughs> strange tangent but you know uh, Daryl, back to you, please, for anything else from Weatherby. No, nothing for me. No. Thank you very much. That's completely fair. There you go. Andrew, yourself, please. No, nothing for me either. No, that is, uh, as I say, we've covered plenty from Weatherby already. So we're going to move on to Ascot, and we're going to head to the 135. And we start with a novice's limited handicap chase over two mile, two and a half furlongs, where Kid Commando heads the seven-runner field as he makes his chase debut. And this is his first start after a wind operation as well. But he was a faller of his final start over hurdles, which isn't ideal, Andrew, is it, when you're making your chase debut on your next start? But do you forgive no, but, that or side with him? Yeah, yeah, I've not uh, looked at the stats of that. That's an interesting angle. But he's had um, you know, over 200 days to get over that. So you would imagine mm -hmm. um, you know, since then he's, uh, he's had a good break. He's been well-schooled. and I fancy his chances here. Um, he, he won on this card last year in the handicap hurdle. He's had wind surgery, as you mentioned, and uh, Anthony Honeyball handicappers first run after wind surgery. Uh, five wins from 15 starts and a profit of over £19 to a £1 level stake. Uh, that's prior to Thursday's racing at Foss Lass, where I think he's got one or two qualifiers on that angle. Um, so he had wind surgery last season before he um, you know, ran it uh, here at Ascot in February. And, you know, admittedly, he sort of you know, disappointed that time, but... You know, maybe the wind up didn't work, and they've had um, you know they've, they've given them another one now. So I, I thought he was you know, ob had an obvious chance. The three to one, you could perhaps argue, is a little bit skinny. There's plenty of other interesting runners in this race. Mm. Um, Nassalam, particularly, who uh, we last saw in the Fred Winter, um, finishing tenth. Um, but the Fred Winter was, as is often the case, run to suit those who came from well off the pace. And uh, you look at the horses who were. Uh, you're described as sort of led, prominent, chase leaders, track leaders, anywhere near the front end. Um, they all finished well-being. I think the best was fifth. But you look at some of the others in that race uh, who were up with the pace. That the horses in 7th, 11th, 15th and 19th have all won at least once since. So I thought Nassalam, um, you know, going over the fences, was a fascinating um, contender here. And I, I think um, I'll be inclined perhaps just to throw a couple of quid at him at 8-1. to one if I was going to have an interest, rather than sort of three-to-one kid commando. Uh, Lord Battersley was another one uh, of interest. Um, he was well held on his um, chase debut and reappearance at Warwick the other day behind Beyond the Clouds, but very weak in the betting and uh, ran as though that experience were needed. So I expect to see him do a little better for Chris Gordon. It's a real tricky race to sort of, yeah, you know, have a bet in, but... Um, you know, it put a gun to my head, kid commando, but um, at the prices, maybe I'll just chance Nassalan. Yeah, so at either end of a the market there, Kid Commander is the current favourite and Lord Baddersley as the outsider, but he's only around a 12 to 1 shot from the seven runners there. But a good mention as well for Nassalam. And I just, I love this, what trainers are doing more and more so with four-year-olds sending them over hurdles and getting those allowances. It's just, it's been seen to such positive effect time and time again. But yeah, wide open race, really tricky yet again, Daryl. And how do you assess it? Um... 
I like, well, I don't like anything really. I, I like these races. These races are the races that I'll focus on throughout the season, but mm. I need to gather information before I start making strong opinions. Uh, and, and that means watching them jump. Um, I, I thought What's Up With You was interesting at a double figure price. He's one of the only runners, well, he is the only runner outside of Kid Commando to have point to point experience. He was better than a bare result a few times over hurdles last season. He's dropped down to a fair mark of 133. I, I didn't. I didn't have a strong enough opinion for a bet, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I just thought 14 to 1 was too big. I know Kid Commando is um, is a nice horse and whatnot, but uh, 100, mark of 140, I just don't see what he's done and what he's beaten to, to, to warrant a mark of 140. I think that's a stiff enough mark for him to go chasing with. Mm-hmm. I'd be keen to take him on, really. But uh, it might be an in-running play for me rather than yeah. a... Than a you know, than a bet beforehand. But what's up with you for the selection for the sake of this video? Yeah, and to hopefully give Keelan Woods a good winner back after a, an injury that's just kept him off the track for a bit of time as well. So, yeah, really tricky races. There's only seven runners as well, so difficult to find an angle into it, and especially with plenty of questions that have to be answered for these uh, novices' chases as well. So hopefully... We will have more angles in in our next race at Ascot. This is the 210. This is the listed London handicap hurdle over just shy of two miles where the Betfair hurdle winner of last season, Soaring Glory, makes his reappearance after finishing fourth in the Supreme Novices hurdle on his final start of last season. So back in listed company here, Daryl, does that mean he should take all the beating? He'll, go de- he'll definitely go very close. I think the top three in the market are miles clear than the rest of them, to be quite honest with you. I thought Soaring Glory's £10 higher than his Betfair hurdle win. If if he runs anywhere near that level, I think he, he, he might prove tough to beat here, especially given um, Guard Your Dreams came out last week and won off a mark of 145. He finished sixth in that race. So mark of 143 shouldn't be beyond Soaring Glory. But this revolves around Boot Hill for me. Um, mm. I, look, he's going to be very, very popular. And that is always a slight concern. I never like to back a horse that's a, a popular horse because uh, it never tends to end well. <laughs> if everybody can see it, sort of thing, then yeah, then you know it's 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 the obvious choice. The and, yeah, but but off a mark of one hundred and thirty-five, just based on what the time period he did at Taunton, that makes him look well, very well handicapped. And even if that form is not really worth too much, his Kempton bumper win where he beat like of Bothwell Bridge, etc. I think right down to seventh is rated up to one hundred and thirty. He's almost certainly got more to come this horse now mm-hmm. i i know someone who knows the the owner of this horse and uh he's had a knee he had a knee injury a slight issue they were thinking about going chase him but because he's got such a leading handicap mark of 135 they want to get him over hurdles the book of the sound twist and davies obviously catches the eye for this mm-hmm. yard I, I i think he's going to win i think he's going to win well i I do think the two behind him in the market soaring glory and jero are both nice horses and both progressive horses but i think they are so far clear of anything else in this field, I wouldn't even give a second mention to, to anything else outside them three. Yeah, so the front three to be looking at here with Boot Hill. So as you say, he is being stepped up in grade quite quickly, but off that mark, there should be more to come from him. Andrew, yourself for this race, please. Yeah, there were three that interested me here. Um, Soaring Glory being one of them. He's, he's never lost when he's fresh. Give him five weeks or longer off the track. He's four from four. Um, that's... Um, Supreme Novices hurdle defeat came 23 days after um, his Betfair hurdle win. Probably came a little bit too soon. And cheek piece his first time, wasn't it? I don't um, know why and if they did that. Yeah, right. um, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's another good point. And you know, he's he's down in grade effectively. Wild Max is another one I'm, I'm a fan of. Um, he goes well fresh. He likes right-handed tracks, and he's had wind surge recently since his last run. He, he can race a little bit keenly, like a few in this race, and um, you know, big field, strong pace scenario could bring about improvement from him as well. Uh, the other one was half interesting was Global Citizen. He ran in this race in 2018, um, finished second after making the running. He's only three pounds lower, um, you know, uh, uh, but um, he's only the second horse that, you know, Ben Pullen's had in this race and the other one placed as well. And, uh, you know, he's got the back class to go well. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't get taken on for the lead and that front running style is not a disadvantage, you know, if it's a case of they're not winning around the outside and you can win up the inner, then you know maybe Global Citizen at sixteen to one could give you a run for your money each way, as long as he doesn't take it get taken on by Lee and Cavallo. But uh, mm. I'll go soaring glory for the um, you know the purpose of this video, and um, you know, you've got to at least go close. I would have thought. 
Yeah, both of the lads there siding with, well, looking at the head of the market there with the front three. But um, a good mention for Boothill for Daryl and Soaring Glory then for Andrew. Now, I have looked away from those at the head of the market for a bet in this race. I don't know whether to say it or not because I don't want to put them yeah, on. Yeah, go for it. Oh, God. Whenever I do this, it goes wrong. Um, yeah, but I'm going to put the mockers on Megan. <laughs> she certainly deserves a mention in this race. For all this is a notable step up in grade for her, and this will be the toughest task that she has faced yet, but she is a very well-handicapped horse. We saw that last time out at Chepstow, where she was cantering into the race in that four-year-old handicap hurdle before. She just took a novice fall there, when the three outs, where her back end just got too high for a front end and she just knuckled over at that tricky hurdle at the top of the home straight so she is still able to run here off the same mark of 120 hopefully she is now over that issue she's been schooled plenty by Stuart Edmonds uh, by his daughter Harriet at home um, and she's over the issue that saw her pull up on her penultimate start as well so credit to the team for being able to get her back from then so she is very well treated provided she does that she can put that latest fall behind her because she's she, she's not going to get much of a chance to ease herself into this race. That's going to be the concern against this opposition. But she's certainly a decent price, so to chance that, she will. So there you go. There's the mockers. I won't be forgiven. Ankaran only has 10 stone one on her as well, so he won't be fed for the rest of the week. So hopefully it'll be worth his while. Right, the 240 at Ascot. It's more listed action in our next race than in the form of the 0-150 handicap chase over two miles and a half of Furlong where editor Dejit currently heads the market to bring up a belated hat trick. So, Andrew, how do you see this race going? This is a belter, isn't it? Um, mm. You've got, you got last year's winner, Amula Gold. Um, Venetia Williams has got a couple of runners, and um, you know, she's got a good record in this race, winning it twice in the last 10 years, going very close last year with uh, Iblio, or Ibleo, who was um, favourite and just chinned by uh, Amula Gold. Um, but there was Sully Dock, um, Oh, Silly Duck Double A, however you say that, and won the novice handicap chase on this card last year, trained by Anthony Honeyball, and uh, it, it, it's two from two right-handed since wind surgery, so I think there's more to come from this one. Last seen winning at the Punchestown Festival. Uh, Getaway Trump, I wanted to be against the Nichols horse. He's mm -hmm. had wind surgery, but he is not from four first time up. He was 130 on when he was chinned on his comeback last season. Uh, and one for Rosie, the Kim Bailey horse, was one I was particularly interested in. Um, she goes particularly well right-handed. She has run, uh, I think, one and run well left-handed on occasions, but she does jump out to her right and can be a bit wayward. So I thought one for Rosie, so three wins, uh, second and third from five runs this way round. Um, over Sully Duck uh, are with the, um, the way to go. So, yeah, one, one for Rosie, but it's, uh, it's tight at the top of the market. Yeah, one for Rosie there to bring up the belated hat-trick for Kim Bailey and Sully Dock as well to double up on the win from last time out. So two good shouts there and two horses at decent enough prices considering how open this race is, but likably open, Daryl. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I have very, very similar thoughts to, to what Andrew said. I echo what he said there. Um, I think Sully Dock is the one I'm going to side with. He's made an excellent start to his chase career, like Andrew said, two for... Two for two, going right-handed. And uh, since the tongue-tie's gone on, just continue to improve and improve and improve. I was really impressed with the performance at, at Punchestown. Obviously, £10 higher here. But if you go through the form of the likes of Editor Geet and Mood of Gold, etc., they're all higher in the weights. I think this is between, again, between the top four or five in the market. I think the market's got it right. Uh, no bet race for me, but Sully Doc AA, I expect to go well for, for Anthony Honeyball. Mm, very likeable then. So two mentions for Sully Dock there in the 245 at Ascot. Now we move to the 320. This is another fascinating contest with the Grade 3 London Gold Cup handicap chase over just shy of three miles where Vindication is a current favourite as he returns to fences. But I'm just not convinced about him as a chaser still because he unseated on his final chase start in the Labrick Trophy where admittedly he was still going well. But, Daryl, do you think he can get back to winning ways over fences or are you looking elsewhere? I am looking elsewhere. He's a lovely horse, but he, he has to go right-handed. You know, he does mm. jump out to the right. The issue I have with him is, is he's jumping on a hole. He can clip the a top of a fence quite often. Mm. And if you go back and watch, for instance, even in that Charlie Hall chase, just to, just to head on, he loses so much ground on the landing side of his fence. So it, a horse that jumps a fence cleanly will get ahead, get two strides ahead of him because he's clipping the top of that fence. It's almost jolt, almost jolting him back a bit. And then he's got to pick up again. And he's using so much energy to pick up every single time. And he's losing those lengths at, 
the landing side of every fence. That I just off a mark of one five eight. I've just now got to be against him. Mm. I thought a uh, price sojourn for again another Anthony Honeyball horse. First time after a wind operation. I thought this horse was uh, interesting on the Haydock run where bumped into Sam's Adventure in the Tommy Whittle. Sam's Adventure subsequently went out to win the Ida next time out. It's £14 higher. This horse is just £2 higher. Uh, no sort of race um, next time in the Grand National trial, but I forgive that one run. You given could give anything with that, I say. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, given that uh, he was so impressive as well the time before it, at uh, Carlisle, he won't mind any rain if the ground softens up. He's going to be ridden prominently, and he, he just jumps so well that it it travels him into a race so strongly. Mm. I think he stays all day, so I, I'd be with him at around twelves. I think. Yes, yes, it's a journey there to hope that the wind operation has had a positive effect. If the rain does come for him, which it, at this stage looks likely to anyway, to bounce back then on this reappearance starting is a good price to go with. If you get around 14 to 1 for that, then Sojourn is a nice price. Andrew, yourself, please. Yeah, Vindication now. Um, he's going Ooh. right-handed, game over. That's all you need to know. He's, I mean, if you had a horse who'd had eight runs right-handed, won seven of them, finished third to Defi de Soyum, lost in translation in a grade one novices chasing the other when running over an inadequate two-and-a-half-mile trip, how would you campaign the horse the following season? I know we'll run left-handed every single bloody time. I mean, <laughs> what? what is Kim Bailey on, for goodness sake? I mean, you look at um, last, um, so the season before last, he, he placed um, in the three-mile handicap, the Ultima at uh, the Cheltenham Festival, not being far and forth behind um, the conditional. And he, he, look at that, every single fence, he shifted out to his right, lost ground. And you think, for goodness sake, running the other way round, man. And what happens? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll start off last season in the Charlie Hall Chase. He's got a favourite for that. You know, he mm -hmm. still finished second despite hating the track. And what's happened after that? We'll keep running him left-handed. Left-handed. <laughs> left I mean, I, I thought he would run well in the King George if they actually ran him in that. But mm. Christ knows what they've been doing with him. So, you know, going back right-handed, Seven wins from eight and a third in a grade one over the wrong trip from eight runs, uh, you know, that way around. It's it's huge. I mean, he's one pound lower than when placed in the Ultima. I know he's a lot higher in the weights than he was when bolting up in this race a couple of years ago, but uh, I, I just think he's got a great chance here. Yep, and say going right hand. And I did mention beforehand, I wasn't convinced of him over fences, but I'd say that is significantly left handed when he does jump out to his right so markedly. So he's going the right way around. Now, I have to admit, I was really tricky. I was really finding it tricky this weekend to find a nap as such because of how competitive these races are. So I am actually napping in this race as well with a horse. I thought I may as well take a big swing up to nap for this weekend uh, because of how difficult it is and how many questions have to be answered for plenty of leading fancies in most races. So I thought I'd, I'd say I'd have a swing at a big price. And that is going to come in this race with Mr. Malarkey, because I think he should have a huge chance in this race. We know how well he can go over this course and distance. He won a great two novices chase over this course and distance in 2019, before winning again in December last year in a listed handicap chase, again over this course and distance, where he had the conditional and course specialist Regal Encore held. He was then too close to a mad pace at Kempton in a grade three handicap chase there in February and did well to finish third before pulling up in the Grand National, which is forgivable, and posting a very just reappearance run last time out off of top weight in the Native River Handicap Chase. So this looks to have been the plan for him. And Harry Kimber takes a £7 claim off his back as well, which does see him nicely weighted. So Mr Malarkey at a different price. Why not? nap for this weekend we'll he's see. a good we'll he's a good claimer that harry kimber he's, he is, a, he's a right good rider yeah he, he really is, is. yeah and his i think's an awful lot of him as well so hopefully that's going to come to the fore then and mr Lockie, i mean he's only eight but still it might just help him um yeah around in this contest so uh andrew back to you please for anything else from ascot uh no nothing for me kate no daryl nothing for me thank you Perfect. We will move on to our last scheduled race then, which is going to come from Down Royal and last, but certainly not least, because uh, this is uh, going to be the Grade 1 Quarto Star Champion Chase to give it its official title over three miles and our only Down Royal scheduled race anyway, and an absolute belter because we get to see Manella Rindo making his reappearance, the Gold Cup hero. Uh, but not with Jack Kennedy on board this time, who has to ride Delta Work, who is obviously a very talented horse at his best. But we didn't see that from him in his three runs last season. There's also the National Hunt Challenge Cup winner, Galvin, having his second start of the season. The King George winner, Frodon. 
has also headed across across the Irish Sea for this race. And the field is rounded off by the outside at Raven Hill. So some serious horsepower in this race, Daryl. Who wins it? Galvin. Ooh, yeah, I, I really like Millenarin though. I, I've really grown to like him. I thought that Gold Cup performance last year was absolutely sensational. Mm. But I think he's a horse that improves throughout the season. Yeah. And I think if you've got an opportunity to get him beat, it's going to be first time up. Now, I know he's he, he did win for us, but he, he only beat, you know, last season, he only beat uh, Milan Native, you know, 145 rate. He's going to have to be at least £10 better here. Um, I think Galvin's got, the, got a fitness edge on his side. I think he's going to improve from that run last time. Uh, he's he's done absolutely nothing wrong, Galvin, for me. He mm-hmm. just keeps winning and he's such a strong stayer. I, I think I, I love him. I do. I really yeah. love him. Uh, this is a, this is a good race. Again, De- Delta work is one fresh. You don't really want to be back in fresh first time up for me. Mm-hmm. Frodon's got every chance, but I, I thought Galvin is improving at a rate of knots. Recalling the RPR of 167 last time. Uh, we don't know what his ceiling is. I think he's just going to continue to improve. This has got to be the chance. This has got to be his opportunity to beat him. I hope he beats him, and then mm-hmm. they go uh, do a Gold Cup campaign for, for Galvin this year. Because uh, uh, there's a lot of talk about the Grand National, but uh, I'd much rather yeah. see him at Cheltenham in the Gold Cup. Yeah, certainly. So as you say, he was touted then as a Grand National horse, which is understandable from what trip he won over at Cheltenham. But they say if he can win this, get put away for the winter again, and then come out and win a Gold Cup, then masterful work, masterful work. But uh, Andrew, back to you, please, for this Grade One. Yeah, um, similar to Daryl really. That I thought Manella Indo might be vulnerable. I mean, he's only won once from his four seasonal debuts, and, and that was when you know thirteen to eight on in a full runner race at Wexford last year, where he beat Trees. And there's also a possible suspicion that he might be better left-handed, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's two from six right-handed, four from seven the other way round. So uh, and, and those right-handed wins have tended to come in sort of you know, very low-grade races when it's a short price. So perhaps clutching at straws to take him on from that angle, but it's something worth bearing in mind. I mean, Paul Nichols has got a good pedigree in this race, not perhaps so much in recent years. Uh, I think Quarto Stone was his last winner. Mm. But, I mean, although Frodon does lose at ground by jumping out to his left, he keeps winning on right-handed tracks. I keep thinking, oh, I'll take him on. Um, you know, he wants to go the other way around. And what happens? He keeps winning. <laughs> you know, s- small field, um, you know, get into a good rhythm. You would imagine that, you know, he- he's going to give you a good run for your money at 9-2. to two. Galvin, I couldn't fall to I think I'll be, you know, I'll go for Froden just to be different to Daryl, but I'll be quite happy to back either Froden or Galvin, or maybe, you know, rather than spend two quid on a lottery ticket, have a power reverse forecast on that pair and mm. hope that, um, you know, um, Manila Rindo and uh, Delta work underperform. He hates, he hates the lottery, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every week, an advert. <laughs> Not to not to have your money on the lottery then and to put it in a race instead. Well, it, it does annoy me when um, people who regularly do the lottery say that um, gambling is a mugs game and you're saying, well, if I back a horse at two to one, I think it should be evens. Is is that uh, uh, not surely not surely that's better than you taking um, odds of fifty to one about a nine to one shot and getting three numbers up? Exactly. And supposedly with skill involved as well. So it makes it a very different entity to lotteries and um, casinos and such like anyway, doesn't it? So, yes, both of the lads are taking on a Gold Cup winner. What a shout that is going to be for our final scheduled race there at Down Royal in that grade one contest with Frodon and Galvin uh, for two, two selections there in this contest. So, Andrew, back to you, please, for anything else at all from Down Royal. Uh, no, not at all. No. And uh, Daryl, yourself, please. No, thank you. And anything from anywhere else, Daryl? We I don't know what else we've got left to cover. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple of new market I've got. Um, two twenty three, oh. <clears throat> two twenty three, Noble Dynasty. I mean, he's the unexposed horse in the field. They'd have to be blind as bats to, to price him up anything bigger than thirteen to eight. But if mm-hmm. if if they do, then uh, he's definitely worth siding with. First time cheap piece for Noble Dynasty. And then in the four oh eight, this listed uh, Ben Marshall Stakes. I really think this Dante's pass for Joseph O'Brien could be a little bit of a monster. Mm. This is a big step up in grade for him. <clears throat> but his last two starts were so impressive. A lot of these horses in here now are, you know, over the hill, if you like. A bit like Andrew, over the hill. Over the hill, he's the young pretender. I think he's a proper horse, this Dante's mm. pass. So I'd be really excited to see what he does on... It's going to be a, a fair price as well, you would assume, given this big yeah. step up in grade. So 
yeah, Dante's pass. Oh, very good. So Daryl's still clinging on to the last dregs there of the flat season <laughs> with Dante's pass. But this is a perfect time of season to be really finding a horse then for, for the following year as well and put a potential pointers because everyone stopped looking now. So Dante's pass in the 408 at Newmarket and in the 223, you also like Noble Dynasty. So, Andrew, anything else from yourself? Uh, just the one also at Newmarket in the 333, the listed James Seymour Stakes, and that's our old friend Bay Bridge for Sir Michael Stout. He was arguably arguably unlucky not to unbe be unbeaten in his five career starts. He, he was too green to do himself justice when third at Yarmouth on his debut, did best of those to come from off the base. Then gone to Kempton, he's drawn out wide, got no cover, finished fourth. And then it's since stepped up and tripped beyond a mile. It's bang, 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 win, mm. win, win. And uh, it just keeps um, going forward at, at surefire group winner for Sir Michael Stout next year, I think, and uh, can sign off a good season by winning this listed contest. Yeah, so Baybridge in the 3.33 in the listed James Seymour stakes there at Newmarket in a small runner contest. So, Andrew, back to I think you I said James C I think I said Jane Seymour instead of James uh, To be Seymour. fair, I always <laughs> say it. So I always say it, Jane Seymour, James Seymour, and I, I completely flip the two the whole way. That's what happens when you get old, you see, Darren, you forget things. <laughs> <laughs> you get your historical figures wrong. <laughs> um, Andrew, back to you for your nap, though. I think we know where we're going, but just to reiterate... Yeah, I'm, I was tempted by Bay Bridge, but I'll go Vindication and hope I'm vindicated about his need for a right-handed track. Oh, yes, exactly. So so Vindication then, that was a 320, isn't it, at Ascot, uh, whereas also my nap is going to, so a nap off uh, with Mr Malarkey. Did said, you just tell me to nap off? I did, I did. Take the hint. <laughs> uh, see, Darry happy. It's now finally flipped around after an early abuse for you. We're now all targeting Andrew Malmes. <laughs> yeah, that's his hard of hearing. He thought you said go for a nap, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good nap, idea. Actually. The nap is the nap of the day in a three forty at Weatherby, half a piece. Well handicapped, loves the track. Got to win, surely. Wonderful. And for my kittens father <laughs> in a strange roundabout way as well then half a piece for jack andrews to get into the winner's enclosure i'm sure the kitten will be delighted with that as well so that is everything from us in a very strange turn of events there towards the end of this show but thank you so much for sticking with us again it was completely jam-packed 10 scheduled races plenty of other bets as well differing opinions agreeing in some parts as well but it's uh, hugely, hugely exciting. So we hope you enjoy it. Thanks to our sponsors, SBK. Thank you to both of the lads. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>